This week, we are continuing our series on Proverbs, and today looking at the topic of Proverbs and possession, and it's in two parts. First part is Proverbs 10, verses 2 to 5. Ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. And Proverbs 31, verses 5 to 9. Lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights, let beer be for those who are perishing, wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Well, good morning, everyone. We're in the book of Proverbs. It's about making wise decisions. I want you to think of a financial decision you've had to make in the last couple of weeks. So I uh, got an email or I got a letter about an insurance policy. I needed to renew an insurance policy. Was I insured for enough? Uh, It was a car insurance policy. Should I put my... Uh, teenage daughter on the insurance policy of that car or not? Um, I, not, (laughs) I heard from the floor. Um, Yeah. Um, I uh, I, I kind of have noticed that a pair of my boots are not quite worn out, but they're not in fashion anymore. Should I update them yet? I have to service my car. How long do I keep the car and when is it time to update? Which is the more financially prudent decision? And is that the only reason that you update your car? These are the kind of decisions that we have to make. And we just read a proverb about harvesting in the summer and sleeping during the harvest time. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, does, does a book written 3,000 years ago speak wisdom into the type of financial decisions that we have to make in the 21st century? And I think the answer is yes, 
but we might need to join a few dots. Because our financial decisions today are complex and they're nuanced and they're different from the sort of decisions that people made in agrarian societies thousands of years ago. But nonetheless, the book of Proverbs tells us that however nuanced and complicated our decisions might be, there are fundamentally two types of choices we can make, wise ones and foolish ones. It's always been that way and it still is today. And the wise decisions are decisions that acknowledge that there's an order in this world and behind that order sits a God who has created order, who has sewn that into the fabric of his universe. And the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And we ought to listen to Lady Wisdom and not uh, Dame Folly. So that was where we kind of went the first couple of weeks in this series. And last week, Jason spoke to us about parenting. And there was a wise type of a parent who is active, consistent, who trains, who raises a child in the way that they should go when they're young. And by contrast, there is a foolish type of parent who is uh, disengaged or erratic. Um, Have you seen parents who kind of like, don't do that, don't do that. I told you don't do that. Okay, do what you want. But doesn't it drive you nuts when you see that type of parenting? And you think, what's that kid going to grow up like? Um, uh, Foolish parenting perhaps is uh, laser fair. um, uh, It seeks to discipline in an angry state um, rather than in a loving and safe state. We saw that last week. And today we're thinking about proverbs and possessions. And I want to say to you that we could just jump in and grab a couple of proverbs because there's lots of them on wealth and possessions. But actually, it's not that simple. And let me show you why. Here's a couple of proverbs for you. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent work, diligent hands bring wealth. So if you work hard, you'll get ahead. Right? There's one principle. A fortune is made by a lying tongue. Hang on a sec. Where does wealth come from? Does it come from hard work? Does it come from deception? Does it come from good luck? Does it come from inheritance, picking the right parents? It's the most important choice you make, isn't it? Your parents? Um, Where does wealth come from? And there's different answers, depending on which proverb we happen to be reading. What about this? Here's a proverb from chapter 10. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. Fair enough. Sounds wise. Here's another proverb, eight chapters later. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Hang on, somebody's doing some cutting and pasting here. But look at the second half. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. So the first proverb is saying that Wealthy people have some security and poor people are exposed. And the second proverb is saying, wealthy people think they've got some security, but actually they're having themselves on, which is true. And now here's the third proverb, better a little with fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. So apparently you're better off being poor anyway. How does that work? 
So there are some patterns to Proverbs. Sometimes we read a proverb, we pluck it out, and we go, this is this universal forever truth that doesn't need a context, it doesn't sit within a framework, but that approach can come unstuck. And so uh, I want to come back to this category of wisdom and foolishness, and I want to outline some patterns of foolish ways to think about wealth. And here's the first, and I actually think our culture thinks remarkably like this. We see wealth as a visible sign of the fact that somebody is wise and they're successful. So, somebody who's got money, they must be clever. They must be wise. That's how it is that they've made their fortune. You call this a meritocracy. The wealthy people who've gotten ahead, they deserve it. It's, it's merit for their efforts. And here's some proverbs that show us that that type of thinking is foolishness. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Wealth comes with its challenges. It's not necessarily the result of wisdom. Uh, and it's better to have a little than sometimes having a lot. They're, the rich are wise in their own eyes. And the one who is poor and discerning sees how deluded they are. Have you met some rich people who are wise in their own eyes? It's a thing, isn't it? Excessive wealth correlates with excessive pride and self-belief. In my last church, there were some unbelievably wealthy people. There was one guy, his wages were published in the newspaper. Um, he was making in the millions of dollars every single year. There was another guy, the last time he was working, he had 36 thousand employees. There was another guy, um, he bought himself a yacht for two million dollars from Europe. He sailed the Greek islands for three months with his family and then he got his yacht shipped back to Australia to put it in his berth. Unfortunately, he couldn't fit it in his berth because his $750,000 yacht that he hadn't sold was still sitting there. In my last church, there were also people who slept rough every night and we had both sorts coming to the one church. And you know what? Some of the wealthy people would come up and they would give me some advice about how to run church. Except it wasn't really advice. <laughs> you try just reject the advice of a wealthy person and see how that goes. Um, uh, there, there is an assumption in our society that people who have made it somehow are cleverer and wiser and smarter than the rest of us. And yet we read that the poor and the discerning can see the delusions that excessive amounts of wealth can bring. I don't know if you saw the musical Fiddler on the Roof, but it's a wonderful musical. I actually saw this version of it, um, and uh, Anthony Warlow, and um, 
There's a great line in the musical. This thought that wealthy people are wise is not new. So, here's a line out of the musical. The most important men in town would come to fawn on me. They would ask me to advise them. Like a Solomon the wise, if you please, Reb Tevye, pardon me, Reb Tevye, posing problems that would cross a rabbi's eyes. And it won't matter one bit of difference if I answer right or wrong. Why? Because when you're rich, they think you really know. If I were a rich man. It's a great line, isn't it? We think rich people know because they're rich. This is not a new thought, but Proverbs tells us it's a foolish thought. So don't chase money because of the status that you think comes with it. Here's another foolish thought. Money can help me solve my problems. Have you ever found yourself thinking that? You've got a, a, a dilemma and you kind of think, oh man, if I only had some money, I could do that. The ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but a poor man hears no threat. Can money solve problems? A few, but it appears it actually creates a few as well, and they're the type of problems that a poor person doesn't have. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. And so now we've got this proverb in its correct setting. Uh, those who think and chase after money, believing it provides security, that's a fanciful thought. You're deluded if you think that. And let me tell you, the very wealthy people I have met they had their challenges too. Their lives were also full of pr problems and dilemmas and the sort that money couldn't solve. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. You know when you think to yourself, you've got a plan, you've got a solution, and then you actually come to the place where you need to test your solution and it doesn't work? That's what wealth can be like. Here's the third foolish way to think about possessions. All wealth is good, it brings security and pleasure. Do you find yourself thinking this from time to time? Wow, if I only had some money, I could afford this, I could do this, wouldn't that be great, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be cool if I could update this or go on this holiday? Or um, The greedy bring ruin to their households but the one who hates bribes will live. Actually, if you live for money, if you are motivated by greed and owning and possessing, it doesn't bring blessing and happiness, it brings ruin. There's this insatiable appetite for more, you are never satisfied and you are chasing after the wind. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. Fancy chasing after something and you have to cut a few corners to get it 
and then when you grab onto it and you think it will offer you life, on the contrary, it actually takes, not gives. That is what chasing after wealth is like. I play soccer for a pub team. Uh, I was down with the guys after practice on Wednesday night watching a State of Origin game. Did you notice Queensland didn't come back at the end? Wasn't that awesome? Um, uh, it was amazing how many guys had a bet on one or other form of the outcome. And I think of this proverb as I was in that space. And they were chasing easy short-term gains. And how did the night end for them? I, I don't think anybody came home a winner. And there was a sense of hollowness. Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Don't trust your own cleverness. That's a word in season, isn't it? Don't trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone. You think you've got something substantial, but it evaporates like a puff of smoke. Well, up to this point, you might be thinking to yourself, wow, I'm feeling really good about this sermon because actually I'm poor and I'm glad you're sticking it up the rich, right? Because, you know, life's kind of hard for me, um, but like Jesus... Uh, you know, I'm poor. Jesus said, son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head. Jesus said, blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom. I'm loving this sermon so far. And I want to say to you, whoa, just slow down, just slow down. There actually is a correlation between poverty and foolishness also in the book of Proverbs. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. You are exposed and vulnerable when you are poor. And if your poverty is because of laziness or because of its chasing fantasies, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Have you met people like that? There's a get-rich-quick scheme that they're always chasing after or the next big thing they're wanting to get onto. or you know, That also can be a cause of poverty. And the poor are shunned even by their neighbours, but the rich have many friends. Sometimes the poor can assume that simply because they are poor, it's beholden on you to prop them up. Well, you might feed them and you might help them out, but if they keep on rolling out that carpet they wear out the welcome mat, don't they? And so, part of the wisdom of Proverbs is that just poverty in and of itself is not inherently a good thing. Just because you think you've avoided some of the risks of wealth. I was with somebody a couple of weeks ago um, and she was saying, I hate money. Money's evil. Money is terrible. I wish the stuff wasn't in the world. You know, that there are other people, and she was being critical of somebody who she thought uh, lived for money, and she's kind of saying, you know, thank God I'm not like that. I hate money. 
And as she was speaking, I was thinking to myself, a line from Macbeth, the lady doth protest too much, methinks. Do you think Macbeth? Um, it's a great line. The, the extent to which she was pouring vitriol on money and those who have money said that money had a hold on her just as much as she thought it had on other people. Just because you don't have money, thinking somehow it doesn't have a hold on you, that's like saying, well, um, um, I'm single, so therefore I'm not captivated about what it's going to be like to find a partner. Or I'm married, so therefore I'm not fantasizing after another man's wife. Or I'm employed, so therefore I'm not dreaming about what it's going to be like to be retired. Of course you can chase after something you don't have. The fact that you don't have it maybe makes you more prone to idolizing it. And so, don't let yourself off the hook this morning. If you're somebody who's poor, it may be that you fantasize about wealth and its ability to solve your problems and you end up imagining it, it's your hope and it's your solution and it's your saviour, just as much as the wealthy person does. That also is a foolish way to think about money. So, let me pull those together. Wealth is a visible sign of wisdom and success. No, it's not. Money can solve your problems. A few, but it creates some more. All wealth is good. It brings security and pleasure. No, it doesn't. And blessed are the poor. Sometimes they're not. So, if those are some foolish ways to think about possessions, what are some wise ways? Well, hard work... And being comfortable, and I don't mean by being comfortable kind of that understated sort of, oh, you know, I'm comfortable, I can afford to buy a European car. Um, uh, I mean, I can put bread on the table, right? Let's think uh, a thousand years BC. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. There's a, there's a theme, a recurring theme in Proverbs that hard work correlates with being able to provide for your family. Here's another. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. The wealth of the wise is their crown, but the folly of fool yields folly. Now, let me make a couple of points here. The, the, the dominant theme that we need to acknowledge is that talk... Laziness, foolishness, that tends to lead to poverty. And if you've made that bed for yourself, then you have to experience the consequences of it. That's what Proverbs is saying. There's no social security in those days. Um, and it's also saying that there's a pattern. If you work hard, you should be able to provide for your family. Now, I want to say they correlate. It's not necessarily a one-to-one -one correlation. You may well have read that line there, all hard work brings a profit, and you think to yourself, no, it doesn't. It's been times where I've worked really hard in my life, and I haven't gotten ahead. And I want to say, hey, join the club. In fact, 90% of most of human history has lived on or below the poverty line. We're a lot more wealthy and affluent than what most of history has ever been. And this proverb was not written 
to 21st century Westerners in uh, a, a capitalistic society like ours. But, nonetheless, the, the pattern is still there and though there are exceptions, it doesn't undermine the rule. So, you ought to work hard and trust that that will lead to being able to provide for yourself and for your family. Here's uh, a proverb. I've quoted it exactly, right? I haven't changed it a bit. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands over the controls and poverty will come on you like a... Okay, maybe I changed it a touch. But I think there can be a different type of laziness in the 21st century. And it's not putting your feet up, but it's actually frittering away your time on things that don't produce. And that also is a type of foolishness. Here's another wise way to view wealth. Wealth is a gift, but it's not the greatest good. There are greater things to chase in life than wealth. Better the poor whose walk is blameless than the rich whose ways are perverse. Just meditate on that for a sec. Do you believe that? God says this is wisdom. That you're better off being poor but blameless than rich and perverse. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. So, instruction and knowledge and wisdom are more precious than silver and gold and rubies. Just think about how much time you spend, how much time you allocate in your week to pursuing wealth and possessions and to pursuing wisdom. Does your diary, does your priorities reflect a belief, a trust in God that wisdom is better than possessions? Third, wisdom is a gift best shared. Pass it forwards. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Wow. Have you ever thought about that? What would it be like to lend to God? He will reward them for what they have done. Jesus talks a bit about that, doesn't he? About having the rich over because they can return the favour, but you don't have the poor over because they mightn't be able to. Well... Turns out that when you're lending to the poor, you're lending to God. One person gives freely, yet not loses, but gains even more. Another person withholds, and does he accumulate? No, he comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. There's actually something counterintuitive about God's order 
something you have to believe, something you have to trust, something you have to practice to know that it's true. And that is, as Jesus says, it's better to give than to receive. And that when you are generous, God will be generous to you so that you can be even more generous. If you're responsible with a little, you'll be entrusted with more so that you can be generous with more. That is a wise way to view possessions. So, think about it like a metaphor. Uh, Marion and I had a couple of days off early this week. We went down the coast, we stayed at a place with a wood fire, and we both brought a book. And you know what you do with a book? You sit there by yourself and you read it. And that's nice, isn't it? You don't do that with a good wine. You have friends over and you share it. Did you hear that? Don't drink wine at home by yourself. That's not a good thing. Uh, possessions, wealth are like a good wine. They are not like a book. You enjoy them the most when you share them, not when you hoard them and keep them just for yourself. So, what have we seen? There is a folly there's a counter-narrative. There are lies around possessions. They are not a sign of wisdom. They are not a solution to your problems. They do not offer you security. And it's not inherently the case that just because you are poor, you are blessed and you are godly. There are some foolish tales that tend to get some traction in our culture and in history. By contrast, we discover that there is a wise way to think about possessions. Work hard and in general terms, you will be provided for. Don't chase after money. It's not the greatest good. It turns out to be hollow. Instead, live for wisdom. Be generous and you will enjoy the gifts that you've received and be just and fair. Pay your bills, don't withhold. Um, pay your taxes. Um, be a, an honest, fair member of society and your networks um, and you will stand in good stead. So, is that where we kind of end this sermon? Well, we could, but the book of Proverbs actually gives us a couple of summaries. It has its own kind of like conclusions about possession. So let me read those out. They're very powerful. Here's the first. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Are you prepared to pray that prayer with Solomon? Was Solomon prepared to pray that prayer? But what we're hearing is that Poverty and riches are dangerous. Instead, ask only for your daily bread. Sounds like Jesus again, doesn't it? Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? And wealthy people can be self-righteous and self-contained, can't they? And think they don't need God. Or poor people may steal. Or they may become bitter, or they may become envious, or they may have a victim narrative, and in the process, so dishonor the name of God. 
Both are dangerous. None of us, I think, desire to be poor. But do you trust that chasing after wealth is dangerous? Here's another nice little summary passage, chapter 8. With me, with wisdom, are riches and honour, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. I'm guessing most of us desire full treasuries. Or to use the common words for that for now, most of us want to see ourselves or our children thrive or flourish. And what's going to make you thrive and flourish? What's a sign that you're doing well? It's not clothes that are in fashion. It's not the latest car or the latest phone or the most um, uh, enjoyable, action-packed holiday. No, it's wisdom. It's knowing the God who has created order and living in line with order in his universe. And that is more precious than gold and silver. Do you believe that? Do you live as if wisdom is the greatest treasure you could pursue in this life? Does your diary reflect that? Does your thinking, do your priorities reflect that? And here's the last. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will bring, brim over with new wine. Or in Proverbs 11, wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. You can't take it with you. But righteousness delivers from death. If you've been blessed with possessions, what do you do with them? Do you hold them lightly and are you generous with them? Because if you are, God promises that your barns will be overflowing so that you can be generous to others. So those are the big themes on wealth. I'm going to close with a prayer which I left down here. So I just need to shoot down and grab it. But it's a prayer that I've modified slightly, but it comes from Augustine, who's around in the 4th century. So why don't you bow your heads and pray with me. O Lord, my God, I believe in you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Insofar as I can, insofar as you have given me the power, I have sought you. I've become weary and I have laboured. O Lord, my God, my sole hope, help me to believe and never to cease seeking you and your ways. Give me the strength to seek you and the hope of finding you. Here I am before you with my firmness and my infirmity. Preserve the first and heal the second. 
Here I am before you with my poverty and my wealth. May I lean on you and reflect your generosity. Here I am before you with my strength and my ignorance. Where you have opened the door to me, welcome me at the entrance. Where you have closed the door to me, give me your grace to accept. Enable me to remember you, to understand you, to love you and to trust you. Amen.